This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media. Most of us are going along life's journey, and at some point, we hear the good news. We either reject it or we receive it. We experience salvation by grace through faith. Once we experience salvation, we are redeemed. We've been set free. We are justified. God treats us just as if we had never sinned. It's not based on your goodness, based on the goodness of Jesus. You are saved by grace through faith. Until you get that, you're not going to fall in love with Jesus. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. One truth that will be delivered in love and compassion, connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. You make me want to dance and sing With every single breath I breathe I will bring this offering You are my wonder You bring the wonder Today 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 with Jeff Fines. You're listening to Today with Jeff Fines. My name's Aaron. Pastor Jeff is hoping that through this series, we all have a breakthrough in our understanding of the gospel. Today, he's reading from Romans chapter 1, verse 18, unpacking Paul's letter to the Romans and what it says to help crush our idols. Here's Pastor Jeff. Come on now, man, we are in a series called The Power of One that it's one of those, it's it's almost one of those church-defining, life-defining series where we're supposed to have this breakthrough where when we leave this series at the end of this month, we're supposed to be different than we were when we came in. And it's it's that kind of church-defining, life-defining experience. And last week we talked about until you understand that you're saved by grace through faith, you're never going to fall in love with Jesus. And I hope that's still in your mind as we go to this part of the series, that until you understand that you're saved by grace through faith, you're never going to fall in love. And if you never fall in love with Jesus, your church activity, your prayer life, your devotional life will always be in an attempt to appease the master. And that is never fun. And that's why the Bible goes to great lengths to tell you that you've been adopted in. You're no longer a slave. You're a son. You're a daughter of God. And there's nothing you can do to mess that up. And that's the hardest thing for people to grapple with, which is why they always think that somehow their salvation is based on God and them. They work together with God. It's his effort and your effort, and then you're accepted. But until you understand that there's nothing you could ever do, then you won't fall in love. And if you don't fall in love with Jesus, then church, worship, Bible reading, prayer will always be laborious, and it'll be something you fight, but it'll never be something that you thoroughly enjoy. So now we come to the second installment of this breakthrough understanding the power of one. I want to read, I want to start right out by reading Romans 1, 18 through 20. And I didn't tell you to turn there. You can turn there, but it's on the screen. I want you to listen carefully to what Paul says next. In the context of saved by grace through faith, he then comes with this and he says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven. Stop just quickly. So the wrath of God, he's not saying the wrath of God is coming. He's saying the wrath of God is here. Right now, he says, it's being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress 
the truth by their wickedness. You can't suppress something that you didn't already have. So you've already, you obviously already have this knowledge, but you're pushing it down. So you suppress the truth by your wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people, all people, are without excuse. Now what's he saying? Quickly. Again, remember, we're in the greatest theological treaties ever written here, and he says two things right at the get-go. Number one, everybody has the knowledge of God, but we suppress it. Everyone knows that there's a God. Everybody, no matter what you say, no matter what you tell yourself, every person down deep inside knows there's something beyond. They know. So then why would you suppress it? Because you know to admit it means obligation, debt, and gratitude. It means you're not the owner, you're the tenant. And we want to be the owners. To admit there's a God might mean that you need to change the way you're living. To admit there's a God means that you're grateful outside of yourself. To admit there's a God means you're not in total control. Somebody else is. And so I'm telling you, in all my conversations and debates, all of my life with atheists, I'm telling you, I still have never met a genuine, authentic atheist. You cannot be an atheist if you're mad at God. Well, who are you mad at if there's no God? You know, I was just at the British Library in London just a couple of weeks ago, speaking on the stage that many have spoken on before. And we're still debating this issue. And I'm, there's a part of me that thinks, you know, this is yesterday's news. The, everyone down deep inside knows there is a God. And the Bible tells us that you suppress it and you push it down because you don't want to think about what it might require. And here's the second thing Paul says, not only that, but everybody has a knowledge of good and evil. Everyone, you know, good and evil but we rationalize our behavior. Now, here's my question. If we don't believe in ultimate objective good and evil, why do we rationalize our behavior? Unless there's an objective morality of good and evil and God does exist, you wouldn't need to rationalize your behavior. Just do whatever you want. The reason you try to rationalize and justify the way you live is because you know there's a God and one day you're gonna stand before him and give an account for the way you've lived. So Paul just starts out by saying, you know there's a God, you just suppress it. You know good and evil, you just justify yourself. Listen carefully. But then there's this progression that happens in verse 25. Because if you know there's a God, and if you know there is good and evil, and you suppress it, then the next step is that you develop idols. He says in verse 25, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. So if you suppress the knowledge of God, if you suppress good and evil, then the next natural step, not only in the life of an individual, but in a culture, is that suddenly you start worshiping things that aren't God. You start worshiping and, and trusting in and obeying things that are created rather than the creator. And suddenly you replace God with something else that you think you can't live without. Because this thing that you're doing that you keep rationalizing has now become your God. It's the thing that you trust in, the thing you hope in, the thing you tell yourself, if I have this, my life is complete, I'll be happy. It's become an idol. Idols are much more than just something made out of wood, hay, or iron, and gold. Those are the things that take the place of God. Now, stay with me. I think this is going to really help you and me and us understand culture. 
What is the result of that? Deny the existence of God, justify your own system of good and evil, and then now you have idols. The next step is, verse 24, therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts. So because God loves you, oh yeah, everything God does is motivated out of love and to rescue you. Because God loves you, once you get that idol and once you start to serve it, do you know what he does? He puts up roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. But if you keep going through the roadblocks, God knows the only way to rescue you at this point is just to give you over completely to it and let it ruin you until you come to the end of yourself and you say, you know, this is not saving me the way I thought it would. This is destroying me in hopes that you would turn to God. Now, I've just given you an overview of the book of Romans. But, and you, and you, have, to, you have to know that up front or we're not going to have the second breakthrough. So keep that in the back of your mind and we'll pull it in later. Because not only do you have to understand that salvation comes by grace through faith and only then will you fall in love with God, you have to understand the difference between salvation and sanctification. Now follow me. This simple graph changed my thinking completely. This simple graph. Most of us are going along life's journey, and at some point, we hear the good news. We either reject it or we receive it. And at some point in our life, we experience salvation by grace through faith. Once we experience salvation, we are redeemed. We've been set free. We are justified. God treats us just as if we had never sinned, just as if I'd never sinned. It's not based on your goodness, based on the goodness of Jesus. It's not based on how good you might be tomorrow. There's no moral effort or merit here. You are saved by grace through faith. Until you get that, you're not going to fall in love with Jesus. Once you do get that, you are saved. Now, that line continues to go up until you get to heaven to be with God. And guess what? This line is a done deal. You're saved. You're saved. Through the, through the blood of Jesus Christ who atoned for your sins. So you're saved, and you are going to go to heaven. You with me? There's another line. That line is called the sanctification line. It's when the Holy Spirit comes into your life and starts to convict you and teach you and guide you into all truth, knowledge, and understanding. And the reason the Holy Spirit comes in you is not only to make you like Christ, but it's to give you the abundant life Christ came to give you. So all throughout your life, while this line cannot be changed and you're going to heaven, the sanctification line can be changed and altered because it's in conjunction with your responding to the Spirit of God who is teaching you all things. So if you get convicted of something and you reject the Spirit, you'll have moments of going down in the depths. Now, this is important. However, this line never impacts this line. You're saved by grace through faith. But your ability to live the abundant life, to live and take everything in that God has meant for you to take in, is contingent upon you responding to the Holy Spirit's conviction in your life as he tries to make you holy. You know, to say there's not a difference in people in the world is ludicrous. Before the court of justice, before God's court, salvation comes by grace through faith. Sanctification comes as, the God, as God puts the deposit of his spirit in us and starts to mold and shape us. But make no mistake, your happiness, your joy, your overarching joy, your success in life, all the things you're pursuing, the things that you want, 
an absence of depression, an absence of anxiety. All of that is dependent on you responding to the work of the Spirit in you. You respond to His work, and the, and the more you listen to His voice, respond to His voice, the more you fall in love with Him, the more you realize that all of His law is not given arbitrarily, but for your own good, and you listen to Him and respond to Him, then the abundant life is yours. But make no mistake, this line does not impact this line. You're saved. Some of you are going to waltz into heaven with a smile on your face, having lived the abundant life. And some of you are going to be walking into heaven like this, pulling every bit of the chain and all the disaster and all the destruction that you never got rid of because you simply would not listen to the voice of the Spirit. God still loves you, though. God still saved you, though. So how do we have this breakthrough? Because here's the, here's the deal. What do you want, people... What do you want more than anything else? If you've ever had an experience with God, you know there's nothing better. If you've ever had that moment when you felt the presence of God, when you were overwhelmed, when you saw something you didn't see, when you felt something you didn't feel, you know, you know that there's nothing you've ever experienced in your life that's better than that. And if that's what you want, if you want a life where you're experiencing God, I'm walking with Christ daily and you're feeling and sensing his presence. Let me tell you something. This line matters. It matters. The more you respond, listen, God is never going to love you more than he does right now, but you can know God more than you know him right now and experience God more than you experience him right now. And that's in conjunction with you heeding the call of the Spirit's move in your life. Now, to break through into the abundant living, there's a second breakthrough that happens through the power of one. It's simply like this, to realize that you and I are tempted by the idols of created things and we have to fight against it. Everyone, verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who was forever praised. So there are two options for living. You still with me? Okay, two options. You either worship the creator or you worship the created. There's no possibility of not worshiping something. You're going to get in your life, you are going to give ultimate worth to something. You're going to trust, serve, and obey something that you think will deliver you. And you are going to fight against it all the days of your life. Because culture is going to bombard you with money, sex, power, fame, your body, achievements, significance, you're going to get bombarded every single day of your life. And human beings are telic creatures. It comes from the word teleos, which means purpose-driven. You will find, you will live for something. There is something in your life that's going to capture your passions and your heart and your allegiance and your worship and your obedience and your dependence, the resting place of all your hopes and dreams the reason you get up every day. There is something will capture your heart that you will say, if I can just take hold of this, then my life will matter. I will be happy and satisfied and complete. Do you understand that? Your highest concern, your ultimate concern, your greatest pursuit, that's what worship is because you give ultimate worth to it. If I were to ask you the question, what do you give ultimate worth to? What do you want more than anything else? And you were to tell the truth. Don't say it out loud. But until you get to the point where 
more than anything else in your life, you want to experience God, even if it costs you everything. It's so valuable to you that you are willing to give everything up that you might know God, sense God, experience God. Now, the reason I come at you like this, at us like this, because here's what I've noticed in 30 plus years of ministry now. And it's the reason why there's no breakthrough. It's the reason why so many of us come to church and man, there's no movement. We're just here, but we're not here. We're checked out, especially us men. We're still thinking about our jobs. We're thinking about the trouble that we have this week. We're thinking about our marriage. We're thinking about a thousand things. We checked out. We're not fully engaged. And part of the reason is that the God that far too many Christians believe in is the God who keeps us in control of our lives while we center our lives, give our functional trust to something else. In other words, you want to meet with God, but you want to meet with Him because you want Him to help you get your real idols, your real saviors. You come to church because you say, man, if I come to church, God owes me. He'll give me a lot of money, wealth, comfort, power, sex, love, family, approval, control. If I just get God on my side, then I'll get what I'm truly after. But until you're truly after God, these things will not give you life. They'll destroy you. Most Christ followers go through their entire life saying, yes, I know I'm saved by grace through faith, but they live as though they are saved by, and you fill in the blank. And if I work hard with a little bit of luck, and if I can get God involved and get this thing that is so elusive, then I know I'll be happy. And our hope and our life worth is in this thing. This is what's captured our heart. And that's why some people walk away from God. They walk away because they didn't get what they wanted and they blame God for it. So they're mad at God because God did not help them get their idols. And the idols are determined by culture. And I feel so sorry for the, this generation, this young generation that's growing up in this idol-infested culture that tells them that you don't have meaning until you have this, that you don't have success until you have this, and you don't matter until you have this. Folks, a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking at Indiana University. It was the week before what they call the Little 500 race. Now, most of you are familiar with the Indianapolis 500, but on IU's campus, we're in Bloomington, Indiana, in the middle of the buckle of the Bible Belt. And every year they have this race called the Little 500, and teams from sororities and fraternities hop on their bicycles. I think, I think there are six to a team. And through relay, they try to win this infamous race that's run on a makeshift racetrack with gravel. I mean, when there's a spill, you're picking gravel out of your skin for days but it's a pretty big deal because the team that wins, you're etched in history, man. Your photo goes on the board. But every year at this time, fraternities and sororities use it as an excuse to have the biggest parties of the year. Now, look, I know I'm the old guy and I know this has been around for a while, but it still shocked me. Because after I spoke on the Thursday night, the campus pastor, who's actually going to be here this weekend, took me around and showed me what was happening. Let me tell you what I saw. These fraternities had, had erected huge walls over grassy areas at the back so the police could not see in because you can't go in without probable cause. And they're having these drunken stupors. And I saw 
these guys dressed incredibly provocatively, if you think guys can do that. And then I saw young girls from 19 to 21 dressed incredibly provocatively. It's almost like both sexes know that they're nobody until you've gotten drunk and had sex. And they're all, they all, all of them go around looking for it this week before the little 500. When I say all, you know, you know that's an exaggeration. Surely not everyone, but it's so horrible that for weeks and months after, there are rape accusations, there are molestation charges. Women are abused in these settings. They are raped, abused, and nobody believes them. And the fraternities are smart. They erect these walls. There's no cameras. There's no cell phones. You know, they know what they're doing. All because young people are being told now that this is the God of our time. Until you have sex, you're nobody. Imagine that. And the lives that are destroyed, and IU knows it's happening. They do nothing about it. It's hard to stand by and watch in a modern culture how devastating it is to our young women. It's hard. And then when you say something as a pastor, suddenly they put you in a political climate or an ideology and they write you off or cancel you or shame you. This culture that we're in right now is destroying young men and women. We forget that the Apostle Paul says, according to Colossians 3, that it's not only sex, it's greed, materialism, the love of money. Those are also idolatries. That if we think, if I can have this much money in my life, then I'll have meaning, hope, security, purpose, teleos. If you rest your security, significance, hope, in any other thing other than God, if your imagination is captured by anything other than God, if you look to anything other than God to give you something that only God can give you, it creates a wall between you and God. Now, do you see where I'm going with this? This line, you're saved, you're going to heaven, but your life can be a living hell as a Christ follower. Do you know why? Idols. And idols never bring you life. They bring destruction. And here's the invaluable truth waiting to set you free. This is the breakthrough. The more dependency you place on God, the more he becomes your ultimate pursuit, the more he reveals himself to you. The more you kill the gods and the idols in your life, the more the real God shines through and you begin to experience him and to know him. He's never going to love you more than he does now because his love for you is based on Christ. But your knowledge of him can increase when you kill the idols of your life. Does that help you understand what Paul meant in Philippians 3 now when he said, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now, you know what he was saying? I got to get rid of these idols in my life. And I consider all those things a waste of time to experience God. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Fines. Thanks for joining us. Next time, we'll bring you the rest of this message from Pastor Jeff. All of us are born with propensities, guys. That's why alcohol gets some of you and not others. We are all flawed creatures. We've been tainted, all of us. And until you come to the knowledge of understanding and admit that, you'll never cry out for help. And you'll never understand that God loves you so much in spite of all your flaws. He sent his son to take all your sins on the cross so that you can be saved, not by your own merits 
but by grace through faith. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Fines wherever you listen to podcasts. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media.